0: So. <laughs> Yeah, this season, um, we're focusing on looking back and remembering um, the coming of Jesus, which is what Christmas is about. We so often forget that. We get so caught up in the busyness and the chaos of Christmas shopping and Black Friday shopping and all that. We forget to stop and go, whoa, like what a beautiful thing it is that we're actually celebrating the the greatest gift ever, Jesus coming to the earth. And so um, we're doing this series because Advent is a time to just realign our hearts and reshift our perspective to to look at the Great plan that God has had throughout all history uh, for sending his son, for pursuing a relationship with us. And we are a part of that plan. And so today, um, I'm going to talk about that. Today, we're going to talk about uh, not just how Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but how he continues to come in our culture today. And uh, the beautiful thing is, we're a part of that process. We are a part of the story of Jesus. We're a part of bringing the story of Jesus and his coming into our communities, into our families, and into every single relationship that we have. So last week, if you missed it, was real foundational. We talked about the purpose of the coming of the Son of Man. And Luke chapter 19 states it very clearly. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So if you were to boil down, why did Jesus come to this earth in one sentence, um, that would be it. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it wasn't just that that mission was initiated at the point that he actually came to the earth. This has been the mission of Jesus since the beginning of time and continues to be the mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. We see this first initiated in Genesis chapter three. If you got your Bible, um, you can look there and you guys know the story. Um, This is where Adam and Eve are in the garden of Eden. The one thing they were commanded not to do was eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they end up disobeying. They end up eating of that one tree. And, um, it says this in verse eight, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? So again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, from the moment sin entered into the world, from the moment this barrier came that, 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 that placed a barrier between God and man, we see that God's heart, God's disposition towards man's rebellion is, I'm going to seek them. I'm I'm gonna pursue them. And so we need to to refresh our minds on that. That again, the mission of Jesus to come and seek and save the lost, it wasn't just what happened at Christ's coming. It's a part of God's nature. It's a part of his character. It's what God's been doing throughout all history, seeking and saving, pursuing a relationship with individuals who are so distant and so far from God. Today though, I wanna focus in on on a question which actually um, this for me is one of the most exciting um, teachings That I get to give. Personally, just because in my studies this week of studying what we're about to talk about, like, my mind was blown. Like as I was studying, I was like, oh my gosh, like I was legitimately getting like goosebumps during my studies out of like how cool this stuff was. So I'm real excited to share this with you guys today. And the question that we're gonna talk about pertaining to the coming of Jesus is this, how was the mission of Jesus fulfilled before his coming, meaning before Jesus actually came to the earth, how was his mission to seek and save the lost, how was that fulfilled? And then secondly, how does the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost come continue to be fulfilled after his Ascension, meaning after Jesus went to heaven, was that the end of the mission? Seek and save the lost is done, or is there a continuation of it? And so we need to know from the beginning that there is a huge distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testament in regards to the mission of God and specifically how it was to be fulfilled. The mission is always the same Jesus is going to seek and save the lost, but the way that that took place in the Old Testament compared to in the New Testament is very different. Same mission, but the role of God's people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the role that we play in that mission is very different. And so we're going to start with the Old Testament and we'll just answer that question. How did God, which again, this is the purpose of his coming, seeking and saving the lost. How did God seek and save the lost before the incarnation? The incarnation is Jesus taking on flesh, becoming a human. How did the mission of God How was it fulfilled throughout the Old Testament before Jesus' incarnation? So all throughout the Old Testament, if if you've read or studied the scriptures in the Old Testament, the mission of God to seek and save the lost happened primarily through one people group known as Israel. Israel was a nation who God established. He made a covenant with Abraham. We talked about this a few weeks ago and said, I'm going to make you a great nation. It was through the people of Israel that God made his mission go forth, that the other nations were sought and saved. How did that take place though? Well, Israel's role as recorded in the Old Testament was to bring the scattered nations that were all around to Jerusalem, which is where the temple was, which is where God's glory dwelt. The nations surrounding Israel would be drawn to Jerusalem where they would encounter God's people worshiping the one true God. They would see what was happening in the temple. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel came to the temple every day. There were sacrifices every day. There was prayer every day. There was worship every day. So the nations surrounding would come into Israel, to Jerusalem, because they heard about a people group that was very unique, that was very distinct. The things that the people of Israel were doing in Jerusalem, um, the stuff happening in the temple, people were drawn to Jerusalem and they would see God's people. They would see them worshiping the one true God. Uh, at this time, all the surrounding nations were primarily polytheists. They believed in many gods and they would come to Jerusalem and see, whoa, these people are unique. They're different. They're worshiping one God? Who is this one true God that you guys are worshiping? So Israel was called to live in such a way that the nations surrounding them would come to them and inquire about their God so that his glory could be spread throughout the world. So to boil it down in a simple sentence, the way that God's mission was fulfilled in the Old Testament was all the nations would come to Jerusalem, come to Israel, where God's people worship the one true God. They would encounter him there and then go back to their homeland. We see a few examples of this, which I'll share with you. First one being Psalm 57. Psalm 57 is a Psalm of David. And it says this starting in verse nine. I think we got it up on the board as well. Um, It says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So here we see part of Israel's role in redemptive history, how God fulfilled his mission through the people of Israel. They were called to praise God among the nations. The way that that took place it was the nations would come to Israel. They would see them praising God, worshiping God in the temple. They would see that this is where God's glory dwelt. They would encounter God there in that place. And then as they scattered back to their home nations, they would bring the glory of God with them as well. So again, uh, this is what God's people were called all to do in the Old Testament, giving thanks among all the nations that took place in Jerusalem at the temple. Also, Isaiah chapter two, if you want to flip there or write that down, Isaiah chapter two, um, we see another wonderful passage highlighting the mission of God in the Old Testament. How was God seeking and saving the lost? How was God revealing himself to people who were far from him? Isaiah chapter two, starting in verse two, it says this, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, which is Jerusalem. It's a city built on a mountain, city built on a hill, to the house of God, the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion, which is Jerusalem, shall go the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So again, here we see God's mission being fulfilled in the Old Testament. The way that it took place, people would say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, let's go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is on a hill, so no matter where you're at, you're always going up to Jerusalem. Let us go up to Jerusalem. The nations would say that He may teach us His ways. The people would come; they would go to the temple; they would learn of God, the Yahweh, the one true God, the God of Israel. And then from there, they would scatter back to their home nations and their home country. So this is how God fulfilled His mission of seeking and saving the lost in the Old Testament. The nations came to Jerusalem, where God's glory dwelt, um, and and then they would scatter back out to their nation. So this was the plan. The plan was bring people to Jerusalem, bring people to where we are, to where God's people dwell, to where God's people worship, bring them there, and then that's how the mission is ultimately fulfilled. So although this was the plan, and it was a plan that God initiated, it's interesting when you read through the entire Old Testament... You never see the complete fulfillment of this. You never see that all the nations actually do come and all the nations are worshiping God. In fact, you kind of see the opposite when you read through the Old Testament. You see that the nations come and Israel's actually intrigued by their pagan practices and time and time again, Israel starts going astray and then they're led away into captivity. Then they come back and figure it out. But we never see in the Old Testament that all the nations do come to Jerusalem and have an encounter with Yahweh and worship him as the one true God. And so although that never took place, we see that God had a plan from before the foundations of the world, although this was how he was primarily moving forward the mission in the New Testament, there is a transition that comes in the New Testament. The mission goes in a new direction, same mission, new direction. And the most central element to God's redemptive plan to come and seek and save the lost was to send his son. So throughout the Old Testament, God brought nations, brought people to Jerusalem to come and encounter God. There were still a lot of nations that hadn't done that, a lot of people who didn't make it to Jerusalem, who weren't able to encounter him. And so God said, in my divine foreknowledge, I have planned that I'm going to send my one and only son, I'm going to send him to where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where Jesus was crucified. Uh, there, there on Calvary, on on the hill, on the tree, Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. He was sent by the Father to come and complete and draw all people to Himself. It was said that when the Son of Man is lifted up, He will draw all people to Himself. Jesus was the sent one. Now check this out: in Israel, in the Old Testament, it was people come, come to Israel, come to Jerusalem. You come to us. Jesus's role, though, changed the mission completely. It was not come, but I'm going to send. God said, I am sending the son over and over and over again in the gospel of John specifically. We see over 40 times that Jesus is referred to as the sent one. And this is what we're talking about in Advent, the coming of Jesus. Jesus was sent. This is how Jesus was gonna come and fulfill what wasn't able to be fulfilled in the Old Testament. The place that Jesus was sent to be crucified was Jerusalem. The central place where God's mission had been carried out for thousands of years, that's the place where he went And he hung on the tree. And at his crucifixion, when Jesus was there in Jerusalem, he represented God before man, but he also represented man before God. In that moment when Jesus was hanging on the tree in Jerusalem, he represented all people from all nations. He bore all sin of every single person there on that tree in Jerusalem, the central place where people were supposed to come to encounter God. Jesus said, you don't come to me, I'm coming to you. So God sent his son to Jerusalem. He was crucified on the tree. He wasn't waiting for people to come anymore. He said, I'm coming to you, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Again, in the crucifixion on the cross, Jesus was representing every single person. Every person, every sin they ever commit, that's what Jesus took on the cross. That was the purpose of his coming. That was seek and save the lost. How's that going to happen? Through Jesus. Through, through what he did on the cross. Now, after this, after he was crucified, we know that he died. He was buried, and three days later, he rose from the grave. Now, after his resurrection, check this out it was in Jerusalem, even his tomb death, burial, resurrection. After his resurrection, something absolutely incredible happens where the mission, seek and save the lost, is going to continue to happen. Started with Israel let people come to Israel, then Jesus said, I'm going to come. I'm going to be sent and meet them where they're at. And then after his death, burial and resurrection, we see a new phase in the mission, which is where we come into the story. Check it out. Acts chapter one. If you have your Bible flip there, this is so key, so important in tracking the narrative of the mission of God throughout the scriptures. Acts chapter one, um, starting in verse four, it says this, this is after Jesus had rose from the dead. He's kind of given some final words to his disciples. While they were uh, staying with them he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Jesus told his disciples, don't depart from Jerusalem. Again, the place where all nations used to come. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy spirit. Not many days from now. So Jesus told his disciples, stay in Jerusalem. And the promise is that the Holy spirit is going to come and fill you. Now check this out. Verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Verse eight is key. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus says, once I ascend into heaven, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit, God's physical presence, not just in one human, Jesus, God's presence indwelling dwelling and filling every single human. And he says, in that moment, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are gonna receive power to go out and be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, not just in Judea and Samaria, but to the end of the earth. Now, this is new. This is not something that God's people, Israel, was called to do in the Old Testament. They weren't called, go out into all the nations. They were called to worship there in Jerusalem, and the nations came to them. But before Jesus ascends to the Father, he says, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit, my presence, and now you guys are going to go out to all the nations, and you're going to advance and bring the kingdom as you go out. Now, we see this happen in Acts chapter 2. Fast forward there. Check this out. He promised them, wait in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit's going to come, you're and receive power to be able to go out and be my witnesses in all the world. Check it out, Acts chapter two. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, check this out, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So what we see happen in Acts 2 is absolutely incredible. We see, first off, the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to his disciples, stay in Jerusalem, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that the Holy Spirit comes upon them, but Pentecost was not just an outpouring of the Spirit. Pentecost, what happens here, is a fulfillment of how the mission of God was to be achieved in the Old Testament, which is what? people from all nations come to Jerusalem. That never happened. It never was fulfilled in the Old Testament. So Jesus came to Jerusalem. He was sent there. He died on behalf of the sins of the world. And then the Holy Spirit actually draws people from every single nation to Jerusalem. And in that moment, as the disciples are baptized in the Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. And the people from every nation were astonished. They said, we hear these people who are not from our nations these people who are from Jerusalem, we hear them speaking the glory of God, proclaiming the gospel in our own native language. So Pentecost, we gotta get this. It's so much more than just the Holy Spirit came. It is actually the fulfillment of how the mission of God was to be accomplished throughout the Old Testament. And from here, the mission of God is redirected. Same mission, seek and save the lost, but now it's gonna be accomplished in a different way. Before Old Testament, the uttermost ends of the earth would come to Jerusalem and encounter the presence of God. Now that God's people carry the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said to them in in, in verse eight, you are going to go out from Jerusalem to all the nations to go and proclaim the gospel. Is that amazing? My wife told me, when you say that, you should like lay down on the stage and like rest for 10 seconds because she always says, you never pause. You just like drop these big things that I really need to think about and you just keep going. So I'm going to say that again. I don't think I'll actually lay down, but we got to think about that because it's actually really amazing. I got to try and take my wife's advice. So before, I already said this, but we, you got to really think about it. In the Old Testament, the ends of the earth would have to come to Jerusalem to encounter the presence of God. But now that God's people carry his presence, they are commissioned to go out from Jerusalem to all the ends of the earth. That's kind of hard for me, actually. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, people say, you go a million miles an hour, but that, that felt good, honestly. I felt really good to do that. <laughs> My wife's kind of sick, so she missed it. She's not here today, but... Maybe Peter got it on the Instagram. I'm not really sure. So here's the flow. Again, the mission's being redirected. It used to be nations come to Jerusalem. Now it's from Jerusalem, you carry the presence of God. You go out to all the nations. So the flow here is God sent Jesus, He was central to the mission. God sent Jesus, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. So that now we carry the presence of God and from there the Holy Spirit and Jesus commission us, commission disciples, followers of Jesus to go out, to be sent out to the ends of the earth. Now we need to, we need to keep in mind here that the disciples This is um, who's being talked to. Although this is the mission of the church, although we are to be sent out to the ends of the earth, we're gonna get more practical in a second here. But when the disciples who this commission was to go out to the ends of the earth, when they received this, they were living in a time when the Old Testament was all they knew. The Old Testament was recent history. First century Christians, all the apostles, all they had for the Bible was Genesis through Malachi. Malachi. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the gospels. They didn't have the book of Acts. They didn't have the epistles. All they knew was the Old Testament. So all they knew for how is God's mission going to be fulfilled was we just hang out in Jerusalem and nations come here and we just worship God and they come and then they encounter God and that's it. We don't have to do anything. So when now the Holy Spirit says, you guys are going to go out to all the nations, that was mind-blowing, That had never been done before. That was never the plan. The mission is redirected now that they carried the presence of God. But Jesus prepared the apostles, his disciples, for this throughout his earthly ministry. Over and over as Jesus was with them, he was letting them know that just as he was sent as a part of fulfilling God's mission, they were going to be a sent people as well. John chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus said, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Just as Jesus was sent here, Jesus' plan was, I'm going to send my disciples out. John 20, verse 21, he said almost the same thing. He said, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you so Jesus knew that at this point in redemptive history, the, the way the mission was fulfilled was gonna be changed. It wasn't people are gonna come, it's Jesus said, I was sent. So the mission from here on out is you are gonna be sent. Jesus was not only the sent one, he's also the sender. I guess you could say he sent it. I guess you could say Larry and Tyser's got nothing on Jesus. For those of you who I'm talking about, God bless you, send it. So this is what happens. Jesus was the sent one, and then he sends out. He says, I'm sending you, I'm sending it. Matthew chapter 29 as well, or Matthew chapter 20, there is no 29. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus just rose from the dead. He appears to his disciples again. The final thing that he says to his disciples before he ascends up into heaven was, go. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Again, this was never the command before. The command was just stay. It was just stay in Jerusalem, just worship. That's all you do, and people are going to come. The mission changed, though, or at least the way the mission would be accomplished. Now, it's go. You guys are going into all nations. You are going to go and make disciples of all nations. You are going to go take and carry my glory to all nations. His glory was no longer dwelling in the temple, which is where it was throughout the Old Testament. When Jesus was crucified, the veil in the temple, which separated normal people from the presence of God, the only person that could go in there was the high priest. When Jesus was crucified, the veil of the temple tore so that now God's presence was going out from there. It wasn't, you got to go to Jerusalem if you want to encounter God. It's God's presence is with you and let's go out and spread his kingdom and spread his presence to the ends of the earth. So when Jesus tells his disciples, I'm sending you, when Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world, he is redirecting the mission. The disciples are not replacing Jesus And and they're not supposed to go and begin some new mission. Rather, the disciples of Jesus become agents for continuing the same mission that Jesus has had from the beginning of time, to seek and to save the lost. They're not, what do we wanna do? They're not, Jesus isn't here, we do our own thing. No, it's you now are gonna be the continuation of the mission. The mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost now belongs to the church and now belongs to the people of God because they carry the presence of God with them. I like how one commentator put this. so amazing. He says, the vertical advent and mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost bends out horizontally in the mission of the church and becomes the advent of Jesus. Meaning what? Jesus' advent was vertical. His coming was vertical. He came from heaven to earth to accomplish a mission, seek and save the lost. That was only possible by going to the cross. He knew that's what he had to do. But after the cross, vertically Jesus comes and now he says, you guys are gonna go out. I'm sending you out. So the, the mission's no longer just Jesus vertical. He did the big work. He took our sin, but now it goes out horizontally. The mission moves out to all nations, to all people. How? Through us, through the church, through peoples filled and empowered by the spirit of God. So we need to get this. The church must become the means for restoring the lost. How? By seeking them out. And this is different than what a lot of people typically think the mission of the church is. A lot of people still have the Old Testament mindset of, Let's just come to church and just hope that people come here. We're going to come to church and we're just going to hope other people come and encounter Jesus. That's how it worked in the Old Testament. And it still could happen today. People could just walk in. But our role and our responsibility as followers of Jesus isn't, we're going to come here and wait for people to come in here. We're going to wait for people to come to church and encounter Jesus. No, it's the exact opposite. It's we come here and we're called to go out. We're called to continue and fulfill the mission of God to seek and save the lost, not here when we're sitting in a seat on Sunday, out there in the community, in our families, in our workplace, throughout the entire week. The mission of God is not fulfilled here on Sunday. It's fulfilled through you, through me, in our everyday lives. We are called to be a people who is sent, who goes out and continues the mission of Jesus, seeking and saving the lost. Now, I've said this before, but I think I should make it clear. We are not going to be a church who has programs every single night of the week. A lot of churches do that. Their type of ministry is we just want people to come here all the time. And I think that those type of churches are missing out on what we in this era of redemption are responsible for doing. We're called to go out into the world. We're called to go and meet people where they're at, not, hey, come here for prayer night this night and this thing this night. And every single night of the week, I know people who legitimately go to church every single day of the week. And that's actually not a good thing. The reality is, if Satan had one plan, it would be, let's get the Christians to go to church every single day all the time. Why? Because we'd have no interaction with people who are in the world. And the mission of the church is seek and save the lost. But if Satan can get us just to be in the church all the time, let's just be in church every day. Let's do a Wednesday night Bible study and a Thursday night prayer meeting and a Friday night. Distance. Every night of the week, let's come to church. Some Christians would like that, but we would not be fulfilling our mission. We would be neglecting what God's actually called us to do, to go out, to be sent out, to go and seek and save the lost, not wait for them to come to you, hope they come to you, build a bunch of attractional programs so that people want to come here. No, it's let's gather together. Let's, let's grow in our knowledge of the scripture and let's go out Let's be sent out. Let's go into the community. Let's go into our workplaces. Let's meet people where they're at, not expect them to come to us. That would mean that they are missional rather than us. We just chill passively. We're just going to come here if you want to come. That, that, that makes them be the missional ones. It's our responsibility. We are the sent ones. As Jesus was sent, he says, so now I am sending you. So the coming of Jesus, the advent of Jesus It wasn't just what happened 2,000 years ago. That was, yes, his physical incarnation, but Jesus' coming is something that takes place in our culture every single day, and it takes place through our going. Jesus comes and makes himself known and spreads his kingdom and spreads his glory. How does he come? He comes when we go. When the church goes outside of the church, when the church goes to the people who are far from Jesus, when the church reaches people in the community where they're at, rather than expecting the community to come to them, the presence of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, comes into our community. At his first advent, he physically came. He was incarnate God in the flesh, and now his advent, his coming, is through our incarnation. For us, being filled with the Spirit, going out and living incarnationally in community with real people, Building real relationships with real neighbors, with real people we work with, with real students we go to school with, incarnational living. That's what Jesus did. He came, He was sent to where we are, He met us where we're at. And the mission of Jesus, seeking and saving the lost, is now our responsibility to go out and meet people where they're at. I love what one other scholar said about this. He said, God's people are interspersed amidst humanity as an initial point of contact with the kingdom of God. If the kingdom stays here, if the kingdom is just in this building, we're going to be ineffective. But we, people who bear the presence of God, it's no longer in a temple. It's not in this building. The presence of God is in you. The spirit of God is in me. And when we go out from the building, it's a connecting point with the kingdom of God for people who are far from Jesus. So here's my question for you. And this is something I really want each and every one of us to think about and each and every one of us to really pray about. The first question is this, where have you been sent? Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And when he said I'm sending you, it doesn't mean I'm sending you to church on Sunday. He's sending us out into the world. Where have you been sent? The way that you can answer that question is, some practical things, where do you work at? Where do you go to school at? What people do you regularly come in contact with who maybe God's giving you influence with or allowing you to build a relationship with? That is the place where you are sent. And then on top of that, who, who has God placed in your life that you can go to and bring the kingdom to? This is what we're called to do as the church. The church isn't called to come to church on Sunday and that's the highlight of the week. The church is called to go out and embody and bring the kingdom of God and bring the presence of Jesus and bring the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost where the lost people are at. And the amazing thing is, again, the mission of Jesus, seeking and saving the lost, it's not just what he did, it's something all of us do. How amazing is that? We are active participants in the mission of God. And this is something that a lot of people don't get I I grew up in a church consumer culture where I thought that it's all about just me, come get fed, get filled, and that's it. And I never had any relationships with people who didn't know Jesus, and that's not a good thing. So where have you been sent? Who has God placed in your life that you can bring the kingdom of God to? I love this. When when, when the Great Commission go into all the world, go into all nations, this includes where we live, Right? A lot of people think that, okay, to fulfill the Great Commission, we got to go be missionaries. I'm going to I'm gonna go be a missionary over in Africa or over in Asia or China. And we think that, let's go into all the nations. And for a long time, that's what churches wanted to do was just go all over the place. And they neglected the very place where they were called. They neglected the place where they had been planted. Now, I will say there are people who have that calling on their life. There are people who have been called to go and reached unreached people groups. And that is amazing. And that is a beautiful calling. And if that's you, I, we would love to see what we can do as a church to come alongside you and support you. But for, for this church, our vision, our mission from day one has been seeing the story of Jesus transform the city of Ashland. And so where we have been sent, where we are going to invest our resources, where we are going to meet people isn't, hey, let's go schedule all these mission trips and flights. It's No, let's meet people in the community right here. Let's invest in the community right here. What we wanna see is the kingdom of God coming to all nations, and a part of that is right here. It's Ashland, it's the Rogue Valley, and we know as a church that this is our spot in God's plan. We know God's plan to reach all nations includes the Rogue Valley, it includes Ashland, and this is where we want to invest, and every single one of you guys is a part of that. The places you work, the places you go to school, the relationships that you have. We can be the presence of Jesus in this community. We can bring the kingdom of Jesus to this community. We have to be, though, ascent people. We have to understand the mission. It's go. We have to understand God's plan for reaching people and redeeming people isn't let's bring them all here. It's let's go to them. Let's meet them where they're at. So go to All Nations. Go to Ashland go to Medford, go to Central Point, go to Grants Pass, go into the Rogue Valley. And and, and what, what does that look like? What does that look like to go into, to to meet people where they're at, to see the story of Jesus begin to transform our community? Man, every nation means in, in, in our part, in our realm, every coffee shop, let's go. Let's, 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 go, let's go live life there. Let's meet people there. Every restaurant, let's go do life there. Every school, neighborhood, business, park, etc. Seeing the story of Jesus spread throughout our community starts with where do I already go? Where, where do I go? Where do I inhabit? Who are my friends? What are my relationships? Are we going or is your life just this is it? it it's, it's all about just coming. Who are your neighbors? Who are the people you work with? Who are the people you go to school with? Who are the people you hang out with? Let's go to those people and understand that we carry the presence of Jesus and that as we meet those people where they're at, build relationships with those people where they're at, we will begin to see the story of Jesus transform this city and transform this valley. The question though is, are we willing to be sent? Are we willing to go? The Lord spoke to Isaiah in a vision in Isaiah chapter six. He said, man, who will, who will go for us? Who's going to go and and reach these people? And Isaiah's response was, Here am I, Lord, send me. My prayer for every single one of us here today is that in leaving today, our response would be the response of Isaiah. We believe the mission of this church is to be sent to go out into this valley, into this community, and incarnate and be the presence of God and see the kingdom of God advance through really really simple things, through hanging out in a coffee shop, through getting lunch with someone who's broken, through, through, through going to someone's house and just being present with them when they're in a difficult season, through loving your neighbors, simple things like that. We believe that the Lord's gonna use that and we're gonna see the story of Jesus continue to advance. Will you respond in the way Isaiah did? Here I am, Lord, send me. It's easy to say, it's hard to do. So let's be a people this week who who practically and prayerfully saying, where is God already sent me? What are the relationships he's already given me that I can realize, man, I am the kingdom of God. I I am called to advance the kingdom of God right there. And, and, And let's just do that. Let's just say, yes, God, I want to be a part of that. We are going to continue to see God's spirit and God's presence move in our community in a powerful way. As we, the church say, we're willing to go send me. As Jesus was sent by the Father, he says, so now I send you in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you are the sent one. Thank you so much that your plan throughout all history to seek and save the lost, that you knew that you would be the, the main character in that story, that you would have to come, that you would have to live a perfect, sinless life, and that you would have to go there to Jerusalem, the place where all nations would be drawn to you, and you would have to lay down your life on behalf of every person from every city, from every country, from every nation, every person. You met them there on the cross. You made a way for them to to be found there on the cross. You made a way for their relationship with you to be restored right there on the cross. And first off, Jesus, I pray if there's anyone in here who hasn't received that, If there's anyone in here who hasn't received the free gift of salvation that we have through a personal relationship with you, Jesus, through faith in what you've done, that today those people would step into that space, that they would say, yes, I want that. I want this gift. I want the coming of Jesus into my heart and into my life, that they would say yes to that. And also, God, I pray for those of us who have said yes to that, who have said yes we, we want the Holy Spirit. We want the kingdom of God. We want our life to be about something more than ourselves, that we would see the role that we play in your story, that we would see that the mission of God to seek and save the lost continues to be fulfilled today through us, that we would see that Jesus continues to come into our community today and this week through us. But send us, God. Help us to recognize the things that, that we thought maybe didn't have much meaning, that we didn't think had much value, that we didn't think had much purpose, grocery shopping, going to a coffee shop, taking our kids to school, saying hi to our neighbors, all these things that we think maybe are so pointless, there's so much more happening there. You're wanting to bring your kingdom there. You're wanting us, God, to, to be your representatives and your ambassadors here in this community. And so I pray for every person here, God, we'd identify where are those places where you're sending us, and that like Isaiah, we'd just respond and say, yes, here I am, send me. And we pray, God, that this vision you've given our church to see your story transform this city, to transform this valley, we'd continue to see that take place, God. Will we be a sent people? Will we go? Will we reach people where they're at? It's in your name we pray. Amen.